Hey guys, I'm Radical Ray. I hope you have your drinks and your snacks ready because I'm ready to discuss radical feminism. Um, this, this is my first episode, so this is going to be an introductory episode and hopefully I find my footing. You know, you just got to make that leap and this is something I've been thinking about doing for a hot minute here. Anyway, radical feminists, we all have a grasp and understanding about queer theory transgenderism, ideologies, the various ideologies of liberal feminism, and so forth. The reason why a lot of radical feminists are radical feminists is because we've already gone through liberal feminism and have decided that this is really not pro-woman. But what I'm finding lacking in all of our discussion is arming children, preteens, and young adults with this information and with these tools. And I think the biggest disservice to this movement would be the quote-unquote canceling of J.K. Rowling. I really do think she had the most potential to reach out to this age group in particular. This all being said, I really do think it's really important to let your kids and children know that, or any kid, you know, I'm going to back it up a little bit, any kid, you know, in your family, that they are not a hateful bigot for acknowledging biological reality. Material reality in the world doesn't make you a hateful bigot. And I have a notebook here and I jotted down some things about speaking to children. And I wanted to start with dysphoria, gender dysphoria. What is gender dysphoria? And it can be described in many different ways and A lot of people are going to try to change the definition, but it ultimately stems into you don't feel right in the body you're in. And to attach gender to it means that you are not supposed to be your gender. However, what this is lacking is conflating gender and sex. When you conflate it to it, it becomes really, really, really dangerous. And over the years, we've been forced to change our language to gender, to gender everything instead of biological sex. Now, the reason for this is because gender is a social construct. It's made up. It's not real. And sex is very real. It's immutable. It's a biological reality. So in order to make this narrative fixed, they've had to switch everything from sex to gender. What dysphoria is, is not feeling right in the body you're in. And this can look many different ways. I will give you some examples of my dysphoria growing up. I have always been what is classically called a tomboy. I played with nothing but what would be called boy toys. I am a child of the 80s, so it was Ninja Turtles, it was Transformers, G.I. Joes. I had some Hot Wheels, Tonka trucks. I spent most of my time out in the dirt, mud, sand. I dug holes, I played with nothing but my brothers, no one but my brothers and their friends, so it was just boys and boys and boys and boys. I fit right in. There was never a time where I didn't feel like I didn't belong. I was just a kid playing with other kids. And then one day, I was about five, six years old, there was a group of girls who moved into the neighborhood. And they played dolls, babies, and home, and house, and marriage things like that. This is stuff that they played and they invited me to play. Being a kid, I was like, 
yeah, let's play. Like, I'm a kid. I, I want to play. I want to make new friends. And I just didn't like it. I was like, why do you guys want to play this? This is what I saw boys playing. None of the boys wanted to play with the girls. So I'm like, that's what I want to do. I want to go play with the boys. Like, they're having fun. Like, this is stuff I like doing. And they decided to, because I like the boy thing, they decided to make me husband. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, I didn't think anything of it, but I just didn't have fun. You know, it was hold the baby, take care of the baby, put the baby down. They were having a blast, which is okay, I guess. But then that started what I would call my dysphoria. And so I remember having (laughs) these very confusing thoughts and I finally went home and I had a very very serious discussion with my father at the table because he brought it up he he noticed I was looking a little weird or different or whatever and I said I think I was supposed to be a boy and he was like what and I remember the look on his face just like what on earth would make you say that because to him, he had been seeing me play in the dirt. It was just never a thing for him, right? But to me, it was very new. This was a very, like, oh my gosh, I didn't notice this about myself kind of moment. And, you know, I, I said, well, I like um, Hot Wheels. I, I like um, Ninja Turtles. I don't like Barbies. I don't want dolls. I don't want to play house. I don't want to get married. And I was having, like, you know, this crisis. <laughs> at the whole age of five, six years old. And I am so lucky because he looked at me directly in the eyes and he said, why can't girls like those things too? And and that just blew me out of the water, right? I, I was so, whoa, wait a minute. You're right. Why can't girls like these things? And I just started going on about my Mario life. Well, that was all well and dandy until I started hitting pre-puberty, which was like around 9, 10 years old, or even puberty up until this point, I started to menstruate when I was 10, almost 11 years old. And I know this is very shocking to a lot of men who, who could be listening because this is considered very young. But this is a very common thread I'm finding amongst other women when I speak about this. And when this started to happen, and when this starts to happen you start to notice your body going through all these radical changes. And I know puberty is not easy for men. You get the squeaky voice, you you know, your your size changes, your, you know, the hair development and your facial hair changes. I get that too, but for women, it's all of those things plus menstruation and your breasts. And you know, it it feels like a matter of seconds, right? It feels like yesterday I didn't look like this how come I look like this today so you're you're going through all of the motions daily and and you're experiencing high and lows hormonally daily and you are made hyper aware of it because society is making you hyper aware of it as well and what we don't discuss is society makes women's bodies icky and pornographied immediately and you don't realize that this is all fed to you subliminally until you are a girl hitting puberty Before that, you think nothing of it. And once you hit puberty and you start to grow what would be, you know, sexually pornographic bodies, you start to become 
either hypersexualized and hypersexual or the opposite. And this creates extreme dysphoria on both ends. And it, it, it creates trauma on both ends. And what we are experiencing is a trauma response. And I think it's really important to talk to children about this. I think it's really important to let them know, hey, you're going to feel like a foreigner in your body. If you do feel this, because not every not every child will, that's, that's great. But if you do, this is a normal feeling. This is completely normal and it's okay. If you feel like this, please talk to me. You know, they really need to have your trust and you really need to have their back. Because I remember going through the motions <laughs> starting as of that age. And and a lot of women could tell you, and I definitely recalled being catcalled at that age. And we, you know, we were allowed to walk around by ourselves. I don't know about now or anything, but you know, I was allowed to walk to the store and get myself like to the corner market and get myself a treat and you know with my allowance and then walk home and I was catcalled. And when that adds to your feeling of I am not a kid anymore, you know, it, it's it's very disorienting. And it really adds to, you know, what could be called as dysphoria. I think the internet heightens that issue for many reasons. Um, a lot of girls feel pressure to look a certain way because of society. And I know a lot of people don't want to admit that, but it's absolutely true. So when you have girls looking a certain way, wearing makeup, and doing what society wants them to do, they're hyper-criticized as well. And to not want to fall predatory to that system, you can choose to alt, you know, like alt out of the system. Like you can say, oh, well, I don't want to be a part of the system anymore, so now I'm just trans. None of this is addressing the real issue at hand, and that is the patriarchal culture that subjects children to this, especially homosexual children. And this all just can, you know, make a kid feel like a stranger in their own body. And let me look to my notebook here. The importance of self-love is a journey we're all still working through, especially as women. Uh, We're told to hate our bodies at every single step. So I know it's really hard. And it's probably one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. But self-love is very important. And self-acceptance is very important. If you are a male and you like being gender non-conforming, great. Good for you. You are a male and you do that proudly. If you are a female, you are gender non-conforming. Do that proudly as well. This doesn't make you the opposite sex. And it shouldn't make you the opposite sex. You shouldn't uphold such rigid gender roles. You believe yourself to be the opposite sex because of what you love. You should add diversity into your own sex by your identification. You should stand loud and proud in your own identity and sex. But I also think we need to come to and address the 
male side of transitioning, especially with younger children. And what I've personally noticed, and I'm not going to sit here and say there are studies done on it, but from what I've seen, just observationally speaking, is porn addiction, free porn, and transing, and how they interlink. And you can almost see the rise of the two coinciding, like, like almost like Freakonomics. I don't know if you guys have read the book, but it's a lot like that. And the more access young males have to pre-porn through their phones, through their tablets, through their electronic devices, the more we see the rise of males transing through a fetish. Now, men transitioning back in the 60s was labeled in a few different ways. And at the time, falling the most prey to the transitioning um, theory was homosexual men. And it was a form of correction therapy. A lot of homosexuals got correction therapy and what is known as modern day transgenderism. So for people to promote transgenderism as some kind of woke progressive movement kind of just floors me and takes my breath away because it's actual correction therapy and that's what it was promoted as and that's what it was used as. But porn addiction specifically, you will find some major categories that are major hits and you know you got Lolita you got teen and unfortunately know this to be reality and it makes me sick but then you have ladyboys shemales sissies and these are all categories of men who dress up as a stereotypical woman as a patriarchal view woman and who are dominated by either women or men but predominantly women And so this is the pornography that is promoted. Now let's talk about porn addiction and the reward system. Porn rewards you with an orgasm. So whatever you're watching, you masturbate to and you reward yourself with an orgasm. So you're programming yourself to like this. Well, after a while, you're like, okay, this is not doing it for me. So you tend to Google, or not Google, but look up the more extreme thing in that video that you like, that you found yourself to like. Now, for the various reasons you like these things, they need to be addressed authentically with a qualified medical professional, which I'm critical of that even, and we'll get to that later. Different episode, actually. But this is how kids are falling prey to this. So they search more and more and more. And then until one day, they decide that they are actually a woman because this is what they want for themselves. Instead of, because it, and it's something they want for themselves because they've been training themselves with an orgasm, right? Well, this is something I like. This is something I must want. This is something I must be. And in a confusing time, in a very impressionable time of your life of you getting all of this information this is your reality and this is why they fight this as their biological reality when it's not actual biological reality or material reality and then they reach out 
to a community who affirms this because they are also victims of this predatory system. And lost in the mix is all the homosexual boys and girls being forced to convert. Transgenderism is conversion therapy. And they're being lumped in with us. And it's two radical different reasons to why transing is happening. And instead of government caring or government doing anything about it or anyone lobbying for true authentic healthcare and Kira Bell being one of the first to actually accomplish this and congratulations I'm happy she did you have a lot a lot a lot of children falling prey to a very predatory system you're having children being allowed to sterilize themselves their whole lives without their parents consent you have lists of doctors on Twitter and Reddit who won't even give you therapy if you just want hormones because it's just hormones. The side effects are vastly being overlooked because of hormones. And the trigger points of the hormones and how they make you feel are largely being overlooked as well. Now, depending upon what country you're in, and I know here in America, everybody's going to say, well, I can't afford it. I don't have the healthcare anyway, so I just might as well do what I want to do because I know what's right for me. Which is not always the case, especially when you are a child and especially when you're willing to do something that's going to permanently alter you and harm you. And it's so hard to stand up against this because you're also being afraid of called, you know, culturally called a bigot and upsetting society and upsetting people and you, and you don't want to lose your friends and you don't want to lose your family which further adds to it sorry you guys had to pause had to sneeze really bad <laughs> so excuse that little abrupt little uh, pause there and so all of this being said it's really important to talk about how hormones affect your growth, affect your bones, affect your organs, your brain development, all of that. And the transgender community is also not allowing scientists to do this. It's not allowing science to actually do science. It's forcing science to be absolute, which is something science is not, doesn't even promote, you know. Um, but it's not even allowed to look at the opposing end because it can be considered a hate crime or hateful to speak up on the very importance of the side effects of hormones and even teaching this in school can be seen as totally hateful and bigoted which is very dangerous and why I think it's really important we give parents the information and arm them with the information and the tools necessary to talk about dysphoria um this leads me to my next point as well and I keep repeating it because I really do think it's important about homosexual acceptance lesbians are females attracted to females gay men are males attracted to males and all that entails same with lesbians female vagina breasts males penis Lesbians are females attracted to females. 
males attracted to males. If you are trans, if you are a trans-identified person, and let's just say you are a trans woman, you cannot call yourself a lesbian. You are not a lesbian. You are a trans-identified person attracted to women, and you are a male. That is heterosexual. You can be trans, but that is heterosexual. And the opposite, of course, is true as well. You are a heter- If you are a trans man attracted to men, you are heterosexual. You are a woman attracted to a man. And the reason why this is important is for many of reasons, and some small reasons being funding, the funding people get for their communities for outreach or suicide hotlines or or shelters or safe homes it's important that it goes to the right people and it's important that we collect this data to see what is going on so we can track societal growth or declines or weird upticks or downticks of what is going on we can kind of make the adjustments that's how we grow as a society that's how we evolve we correct the mistakes and homosexual acceptance comes in many of forms and through religion through cultures through dismantling a very oppressive system that upholds such rigid gender roles sorry I had to sneeze again oh my gosh my allergies are so bad I'm so sorry spring has sprung here in California sunny California but the conversation around all of this is I know can be a very daunting task and and maybe you feel oh I don't need to have that conversation with my kid but even if you don't feel that way I really do think it's important that you do because this battle starts from the top to the bottom from the bottom to the top you know us radical feminists can't be the crazy cat lady aunt or even the crazy grandmother or the you know or the crazy mother we have to be a community of people who want to have outreach and let women know specifically that they are loved and accepted and should be loved and accepted as who they are but even more importantly kids falling prey to the transgender movement i think it's really 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 important for all of these children to know that they are just fine in the body they they're in they're not entitled to anyone else's spaces or bodies as well and the reason why biological reality exists is so we can actually document and see who needs what the most and how are things happening what is going on how can we stop these things and for safety the biggest one being of safety and spaces to be able to discuss our realities without anybody trying to shut you down or stop you so you guys can actually gain momentum and grow and have the conversation you know all of this is very 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 important and we all know we are socialized differently as men and women as well and so I think this should also, you know, reach into the conversation about gendered brains, which is something I hear about quite frequently. 
the socialization between the, the two are radically different. So, you know, the idea behind gendered brains is just strictly socialization between men and women. That's just patriarchy you're seeing in the brain. And if you were a man and have a quote unquote, what you call woman brain, it's because you were socialized differently. However, it doesn't mean you're interpreting the socialization the same way a woman does because you are a man. And so this is why gay men and women understand there are some similarities we have seen, but we're different. Like we know we're different and we know we're different because of biological reality. And once again, sex is immutable, but we know, we know we're different because we also interpret the socialization differently. You know, if a gay man is like, I played with Barbies and I was completely ridiculed for it, but I absolutely love Barbie. And a woman was like, oh my God, I was told I can't play with Barbies either because she's X, Y, and Z, but I loved playing with Barbies. The two situations are going to be radically different, even though maybe if you brain scan them, they might show up the same because of their view on Barbie. This is a very important concept to address as well, because I've read quite a few not all, of course, but quite a few studies done on gendered brains. And the one that struck me the most is, oh my gosh, I can't remember her name. Okay, I went to Google and I tried to look her up, but I couldn't, I couldn't find her. But she did a gendered brain study, and what she found is that males are more likely to see females as sex objects, even homosexual males. All men see women as objects and she did this because certain parts of your brain light up when you look at a lamp or a fan or a TV versus looking at an animal or another human. Now the study was done with men being shown images of other men, objects, animals, babies, things like that. Various different images and what she found, god I want to say her name was Ruth, sorry for interrupting. But I want to say her name was Ruth, that could be wrong. What she found was that men saw other men as equals, humans. Parts of their brain lit up, saw them as equal too. And then saw women the same as they saw like a fan or a TV or a pencil, an object. Because those parts of the brain lit up. Now, when the woman was more scantily clad dressed different parts of the brain lit up being of desire and basically being horny, right? So the gendered brain argument is kind of like piggybacked off of this as well. But what is not discussed is that even women saw other women as objects because that's how we're socialized. We're taught to view ourselves as objects. We're always taught to be porn ready. Women are always taught to be porn ready, be pornographied at every stance, be hypersexualized. And so, once again, bring me back to discussing this with your daughters or girls that that's not okay. You know, you are a human, you're a deserving of human rights, but no matter what you say to this kid, if society is not also being dismantled and you're not practicing what you're preaching, this can just lead to fallacy, the, you know, emptiness. Anyway, 
the gendered brain argument has never ever been conclusive it's it's never been an actual thing there is there are going to be things that say oh well women view things like this and men view things like this but that's because largely speaking our brain is built upon socialization and not actual biological like our X chromosomes versus Y chromosomes are doing, you know, the designing of it. It's socialization. And when these aren't discussed, you have people believing it as, you know, well, it's it's material reality. It's your brain. You know, it's biological reality. No, it's socialization. And that's just proof the damage it's doing to both men and women. And sometimes if you're the anomaly, that doesn't mean you're the opposite sex. It means you were socialized very differently. I also think it's really, really, really important at the end of the day that if you are going to have this discussion with your children to cap it with, this doesn't mean to go out and spew nothing but hate for transgender people because your kids are at a very vulnerable age of wanting to make friends and wanting to be accepted or wanting to stand out and be bold. Now, the reason why I mention this is because us as adults, our, our exclusion, especially as radical feminists, is something we're used to. But we've had to have built a hard, leathery skin to get here. There's not one radical feminist I know who I would call soft-willed or weak. I wouldn't even call any women weak, to be honest, but we are not for the faint of heart, is what I'm trying to say, and children are not ready for that. So I think it's really, 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 really important to tell your children that if you are going to have this discussion with them that hey I'm not saying to go out there and hate trans people but I am saying that no man or trans person should be in your personal space like a bathroom they should never ask to look at your body and they should never be entitled to your body and if you don't like or are attracted to them that is perfectly okay and healthy Somebody else can. It doesn't have to be you. Also, that being said, I'm not saying go out there and be hateful towards trans children especially. They are just as confused as everyone else. Just as confused as you. This is a very confusing time for children. And that's that's okay. That's normal. But maybe you can just be there for them to listen to them. It doesn't mean you have to also follow suit. You don't have to be trans. You don't have to say, okay, in order to be my friend, you have to be trans. And if that's the case, and that is toxic, and you don't have to be there. It's a multi-dimensional conversation. And it's a conversation of acceptance, boundaries, self-love, and reassurance. And, you know, who knows, maybe if you have a rad femme child, they could help that trans kid not to fall predator to a system that's 
or you know prey to a predator system that is just so hellbent on profit because that's what the trans movement currently is strictly for profit and exploitation and if it wasn't it wouldn't be so hellbent on completely steamrolling the marginalized community uh, it wouldn't be so hellbent on steamrolling women and especially the lesbian community then we have the homosexual community as well we have lesbian gays and bi's being completely obliterated by the trans movement and all of this being said all women are suffering from this from across the globe as well and the reason why it's so important as women in america even or women in the uk to stand your ground and fight for sex segregated spaces is because we can help pave the way once we are fortunate enough to not live under a truly genuinely hard religious extreme we do live under a religious rule but it's not so extreme that we can't speak up you know there are women out there who wish they could and it's important for us to use what we have for them that's why it's important to fight here in america for all of this or in the uk or in Norway or Sweden or wherever you may be where you can speak about this this is very important because I, I I am of the belief that if we all stand together we will have something truly genuinely powerful and this is why I feel it's very important to have this discussion with kids in lockdown specifically I feel like this has probably been exacerbated and we won't know the effects until a few years from now because it's just been nothing but online learning and online and children talk to their friends online and you have, um, I was going to say Skype, but that's very old. <laughs> you have Zoom, you have Facebooks, um, Instagram, Snapchat, it's online, 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 and maybe you as a parent feel bad because they can't go out and see their friends during a pandemic. So you decide, okay, you can be on your screen for longer than normally allocated for. Now, it's really important to, I understand, allow your child some freedom. But it's also really important to monitor what's going on or monitor at least the conversation or have the conversations with them afterward. Either way, you have to be comfortable with that awkwardness because this is where the indoctrination happens. In cults, you will find preaching of the cult and learning about the cult for at least three to four hours a day. Two hours a day. Um, I think I heard a figure recently, two hours a day. But that being said, your kid is propagating themselves with queer theories and trans ideology for multiple hours a day through different sources and through different media and convincing themselves of these things while they're very impressionable. And sometimes you're going to have pushback. And that's why it's important that you have the 
tools necessary to you know to have the discussion with your child about this now if you are ever unsure of um trans ideology and things like that i do recommend radical feminist readings of you know pick one i say just pick any radical feminist and read about it but what's really important is not to conflate us with such conservative extremes um religious conservative extremes as well because we are not hard up on upholding rigid gender roles uh radical feminists do not believe women belong in the kitchen barefoot pregnant making a man a sandwich and a lot of men who are of the conservative sect who have been praised by some radical feminists do not speak for radical feminists they have said something that is true, but even a broken clock is wrong twice a day. The reason why I mention this is because it's so, so, so important to understand the fundamental differences between a radical feminist and a guy who kind of gets it. This also doesn't mean we are conservative bigots. Radical feminists are not some conservative bigot group who wants to uphold all these weird traditions that religious that various religions and conservative religions specifically um into our ideology we want to abolish gender which is a social construct this doesn't mean abolishing sex we want to abolish gender and the only way this is possible is if we are all on the same understanding of that we need to dismantle this oppressive system regardless of your political affiliation you know women can do and be whatever they want to be as women because it's a biological reality and i don't think political affiliation should interfere with that because your politics should be how you want your nation to spend money. It should not be your personal morality beliefs. And I know sometimes it can bleed into that and it makes radical feminism a political movement for those reasons. So that entails that we are not in fact right-leaning, we are in fact left-leaning. This does not make us liberals, this makes us leftists. And there's a fundamental difference. But that's for a different show. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for listening. You guys have been awesome. Um, you can find me at Instagram at R-A-Y-G-U-N-N-Z number three at Instagram. If you have any questions, please direct message me. If you have any topics, please direct message me. I'd love to hear it. Thank you guys for tuning in. Hope to see you guys next week.